what were some of your favorite posts that we've worked on together? Well, of course, I mean, not that I liked writing it, but I definitely, my mom and dementia was like one that I felt like I needed to write. Like it was just cathartic. Yeah, I think so. I mean, yeah, just, I felt like it just needed to be said. Like I felt like I have a friend whose husband's, is kind of in the early stages of going through what I went through and he mm-hmm. read the post and he like shot me a, a text saying like that really helped a lot. Could I reach? That was meaningful. Yeah. Reach out to me anytime. I mean, I did, got a crash course in this. So yeah, you know, however I can help. Yeah. I like that one. They're all, like you said, they're all our babies. So it's like, how do you pick one? Yeah. Divorce is a favorite of mine. <laughs> you know, I like no kidding. about divorce. Yeah. I'm shocked. I'm shocked to hear that. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to Confessions of a Financial Advisor, the antidote to conventional financial wisdom. My name is Al, and I've been a financial advisor for over 20 years. This podcast will explore the emotional and psychological factors that affect our behaviors. All of the other financial podcasts out there will talk about the numbers and the math. We will confront the stories that we all fuse with that ultimately set the course for our lives. I am not looking for new clients and have no intention on running for any kind of office. I'm going to tell you like it is and call out all the commonplace BS. Now, let's get into confessions of a financial advisor. All right, we are live for episode 30. It's crazy to wrap my mind around the fact that we've done 30 of these. Yeah. And so we made this the anniversary special because it's June of 2020. And Mm -hmm. we started this blog back in June of 2019. So we want to do the anniversary special just to kind of go over some of my favorite... Topics. Not just the blog's topics, yeah. And just like tidbits. Just little things that I got out of it and a lot of common threads. Yeah. You know, because we kind of circle back and talk about a lot of the same things coming from different places. It's all about untangling the threads. Yeah. Like that physical therapy thing I was telling yeah, you about. Cables. Where they work out the cables. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And why? Like, why is like the big question. <laughs> like, why? Like, I, I remember thinking of that question... Mostly in corporate America. Yeah. And just looking around and just seeing people that were there and that had been there for 25 years. Never questioning. Shoulders slumped over, out of shape, looked like they didn't have like sunshine in 20 years, like just pasty white. I'm like, they're just going to like work another 10 years and they're going to retire and they're going to die. Did you work like, with my ex-husband? <laughs> <laughs> I, that sounds familiar, that yeah, person that, you're describing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember thinking that. I remember like sitting in the cubicles mm-hmm. and like not even having a window. Like I'm looking up at fluorescent light. I'm yeah. looking at a laptop. Yeah. I'm hearing people like side to side. Mm-hmm. Like this blows. Well, this is the way we've always done it. Yeah. Why do we have to keep perpetuating? And so like little by little, I, would, I was telling you how I got like the delegation of my job down pat and I got to be more, um, I just got things down to a science where it was just very automated. And so I'd come in 10 o'clock, mm-hmm. leave by two or three o'clock and, you know, get a work at noon. 
So work out like an hour and a half and two yeah. hours. And I remember like one time I was doing that and, you know, people would bicker a little bit or mm-hmm. just kind of talk about, oh, half day, Bob, you know, that kind of thing. Or they give me a jab. Right. Yeah. Judgment. And that would get back to my boss, right? So then my boss came up to me one time at my cubicle and said, hey, you realize you got to be here at nine and you got to leave at five. You can't sit till five. Yeah. And I said, no, I don't. I'm like, I'm 100% commission. Yeah. I do not have to do that. You don't pay me a salary. Right. And as long as I'm keeping my numbers up, what do you, you can't care tell me anything. how I'm doing? Yeah, it. what do you care? But it was this weird dynamic because, like, I was I said that, and she was kind of like a deer in headlights because mm. she knew I was right. I'm like, what's the difference? You want me to just sit around and do nothing? Waste time. Yeah, and we talked about how our society traditionally has put a hyper value on money instead of time, and it's like flipping that script to the opposite. Like, what's the value of having quality time in your life? I don't think people think that they have a choice. That paradigm is so ingrained into our society. People just automatically think that they don't question eight to ten hour work days Mm -hmm. for as long as I'm able to work, and Mm -hmm. you can't get out of that cycle. That's just what you do. Mm -hmm. I mean, all my friends. I mean, most of my friends, I would say, are are in that paradigm. Yeah. Um. Just sheep going along, not questioning. Yeah. And there's so many options. And I, I mean, and plugging that book, that four hour work week, that changed my whole perspective on things. So I'm like, oh, I'm like, this guy did it. Like he got out of it. There was ways to do this. Breaking the cycle. But it's not common. So it's not, there's no, um, it's so not common that you almost believe that it's impossible. Right. Cause like only the rare few, it's not a lot of people doing it. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's people working from home. That's one thing, but they're still chained to their computer. Right. But a lot of people don't have flexibility of time, like you know, where you can just on a whim, you know, take a Monday off or a Wednesday off, or go to the mountains, go to the grocery store on a Wednesday morning. Yeah, there's so many experts talk about it. It's almost like everything plays into this machine, this corporate machine, this nine to five machine. Industry. Bigger goals, positive thinking, more is better. Mm -hmm. And then we question that. Like, What I love about what we're doing here is that I like that we talk about trust the people that are seeking and doubt those who say they found... Say they have all the answers? Yeah, that they found the truth. That they're the guru? I've found the truth, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. I was just tired of like all that misinformation. I'm like, it's not... That's not true. You don't have to work 10 hours a day. Mm-hmm. Maybe you have to do it for a little bit. Just, I'm not saying you don't have to sacrifice. And I'm not saying you don't have to okay, work hard yeah. at certain points in your life. Obviously, we didn't both fall into being self-employed. It kind of <laughs> well, progressed from something. Yeah. It didn't just like, wasn't just, hey, you're 22 years old here. You're self-employed. Go do yeah. whatever you want to do. And Create your own business. I own two of them. Yeah. Took some time. It totally did. Yeah. And you start to think like, like in how many other aspects of your life are you doing that? Like, is it just, you're just limiting yourself because everybody's told you, you know, only the lucky few can do that. You know, I wouldn't Mm -hmm. even try that. It's not going to happen. You're just spinning your wheels. Don't even bother. Like why you're wasting time. You might, you know, you're wasting money. Joking with corporate pulling. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like how we make a living, how we spend, like I, I started thinking when I was in that corporate setting, I was like, that's what's happening to the majority of these people. They're trapped 
in this paradigm and they don't think they can get at like they're not they're on the hamster wheel yeah yeah and they're not and they're not looking to get off they could only see the hamster wheel they don't see another options so like well they don't see possibility or potential they're just doing what's always been done so they literally resign to that like it is what it is i mean i've had friends tell me that it is what it is like i you know so you do you work you work till you die i'm gonna be working till i'm 70 i'm like dude, I, I don't want to do that. Like, I don't really, you know, I'm not that, that doesn't feel fulfilling. But I think it also comes back to the definitions of work, right? So it's not that you don't want to be productive in a certain way, or you don't want to be creative. It's not that you don't want to, again, I don't want to be laying on a freaking lounge chair, sipping a fruity cocktail all day long. Right. I want to do things, but I want to do things I want to do or things that inspire me or that give me some creative vigor. Mm-hmm. That make you want to get up in the morning. That make you look forward to like... That are passions. Yes. Look at that. That's so difficult because like I literally grew up and probably you did too around mm-hmm. parents that it wasn't that way. Like they... No. No, they worked. You just work. Working 10 hours a day? What kind of quality life do you have? Like you're just working and then eating and sleeping. I mean, I didn't even see my dad. I literally... During the week, didn't even see him. Didn't see the guy. Yeah. Weekends, he was freaking exhausted. So he'd be sleeping most of the weekends. I'm like, yep. that was his life for years and years and years. Mm-hmm. So then you flip this and you go into one of the posts that we talked about, delusions of grandeur. Mm. We were kind of talking about the Tony Robbins kind of character. Yeah. You know, where there's a lot of them out there now. Now it's like YouTube is filled with that personality. Yeah. Anyone can be their own guru. Yeah. All these 30 year old millionaires. Yeah. They just gave yourself a title. And then it's funny, like when we kind of put it together with false humility, like the delusions of grandeur Mm -hmm. and then the false humility, I thought that was a funny combination Mm -hmm. because they're playing both sides of the scale. Like they're playing both sides of the coin. Right. Yeah. Like on one side, I'm the, I've, you know, just for instance, I just remember one specific from Tony Robbins. I said this in one of our posts where he's literally telling the audience that he's like, you know, I run this foundation and last year, you know, we fill, we, we fed a billion people and, you know, we're looking to do this and this and this and everybody's applauding. He's like, yeah, yeah, I know. It's not about me. And, you know, it's I'm like, well, you just announced it to everybody. What? what are you telling people about it? Yeah. I, yeah. It's like on one hand, you're bragging about it. And then on the other hand, oh, I'm very humble. So we talked about the quote. True wisdom doesn't shout, it whispers. Yeah. It's a brilliant quote. Blustering, right? I like the word blustering. Or the know-it-all. Like, it starts about financial advisors. There's a know-it-all vibe. <laughs> there is a lot of know-it-alls out there. Yep. Plenty in my office. Mm-hmm. There was a guy that was in my office. I don't want to get into stocks, but he was literally telling me when you should buy Apple and then sell Google. And then on the flip side, he's like, when this happens, then you sell Google and you buy back into Apple. And he was going back and forth from Apple to Google. And I'm like, how would you possibly know that? You don't know that. Stop telling people that. And you're telling financial advisors that, that know your bullshit. Like that's, but I think he really believed that. I'm like, that he had all the answers. Yeah. Oh, it's Uh a fact. If you buy in February, you buy Google, then you sell it in April. And then I'm like, what are you talking about, man? Yep, markets don't change or shift. Yeah. <laughs> right. You can time them. Yeah, it's it's a science. Ooh. Because we could have predicted what happened just now in the last few months. Hmm. First time in history. 
Yeah, true true wisdom doesn't shout at whispers. What were some of your favorite posts that we've worked on together? Well, of course, I mean, not that I liked writing it, but I definitely, my mom and dementia was like one that I felt like I needed to write. Like it was just... Cathartic? Yeah, I think so. I mean, yeah, just I felt like it just needed to be said. Like I felt like I have a friend whose husband is kind of in the early stages of going through what I went through. And he mm-hmm. read the post and he like shot me a, a text saying like that really helped a lot. Can I reach? That was meaningful. Yeah. Reach out to me anytime. I mean, I did, got a crash course in this. So yeah. You know, however I can help. Yeah. I like that one. They're all, like you said, they're all our babies. So it's like, how do you pick one? Yeah. Divorce is a favorite of mine. <laughs> you know, I like no kidding. About divorce. Yeah. I'm shocked. I'm shocked <laughs> to hear that. I'm shocked. <laughs> Yeah, divorce was, yeah, that, again, like, I mean, how could that not resonate? You know, 50% of marriages end in divorce, so. I think the divorce rate is higher than 50%. Might be even higher. And it's going to be increasing (laughs) once we're let out of our quarantine. Yeah. Yeah, so you talked about the phrase living in the mystery. Yes. And the unknown of life experience. People are very uncomfortable with that. Highly uncomfortable with it. Living in the mystery. What do you mean? I don't know what's going on. Like, what are you talking about? Like, I know. Like, and I was listening to an author today that was talking about this concept called a redemption fantasy. Oh, yeah. And this loop. So it goes and coincides with living in the mystery. Mm -hmm. So we have this fantasy that like, if we go through something, so for instance, like grief or trauma, Mm -hmm. we think in some portion of our mind thinks that we're going to get over this. And There's a gonna, destination. Well, it's almost going to be like it's erased. Like you've erased it and you're going back to the person you were before that grief or trauma. And that's not true. That that's doesn't ha- not how it works. No. No. It's not like you get over it. You don't get over it. It's Stuff from childhood still comes up. I'm like, oh, look, at there's that again. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think this is like semantics either. It's, you know, it's not just like a play on words that were mm-hmm. like you literally don't it doesn't go away. Like it, maybe it transforms, maybe it. Well, there's a term that talks about the fallacy of arrival. Like there is no destination. You're never going to get there. But that, so just, and that's what this guy is saying. So the loop is we all in some way have this redemption fantasy that we think we're going to get there. And mm -hmm. since, and when we don't get there, we start beating ourselves up. Like, you know, you have this, I want to get there. Why am I? Not? Oh, man, you're such a piece of shit. You haven't gotten there or like, you're not. You should have this figured out by now. You should have. Mm. Yeah. You've said that before. Mm. Exactly. You should have yes. this figured out. Yeah. Like it's been a year. You should be over this. Right. It's strange. It, it's one of those strange. That's not how grief and trauma recovery work. There's no rival. There's no end point. Stuff's going to keep coming back up. On its- Ideally, it's an upward spiral that we get better at catching ourselves Yeah, when we're being triggered. But there's no arrival. And I, I think it works. You can sort of spin this into not only grief and trauma, but just relationships in general and whatever accomplishment, achievements. There's no real destination. Right. You know, just like, for instance, like we've talked about this in the past, too, like that whole idea of climbing Mount Everest, that what happens mm-hmm. once they climb Mount Everest, 
right. a lot of those climbers go into deep depressions because what do you do after climbing Mount Everest? How do you top that? Exactly. Yeah. Or like you're in a relationship and you go through the honeymoon phase, right? And it's great. Mm-hmm. And then bam, all right, you know, I'm feeling it. So let's get married. Come on, honey, let's go. <laughs> let's go. <laughs> and then like a year into it, you're like, oh, shit, the freaking What passion. have I done? Yeah, it's not all. She farts in her sleep and I can't stand it. Wow. And he leaves the toilet seat up and he's a pig and mm. like all the fantasy goes away. So we have this. Yeah. Once the shine has rubbed off, what's really left. Right. Where's the substance? But I think when you see like those relationships that have endured, mm-hmm. there's some beauty there. Like there's a beautiful thing there because they, you know, that they've been through the honeymoon period, the shit period, the mm-hmm. Indifferent period, the like you raising know, young kids. In- yeah, my parents have been married for forty four years now. Forty four years. Yeah, and they've been through their own some serious ups and downs. That but they're still together. They generally still like each other. So mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, they have their moments. So they don't always get along. But there's a depth there. Like there's a depth mm-hmm. that you can't get without being together for forty four years. Like it doesn't. Yeah. It's a different relationship now than it was after year five, after year 10, after year Totally. Yeah. And, but I think it's that idea of like, they're both kind of living in this mystery together. Like they don't, that's the thing. It's like, even when you're with somebody, you're still two different people. You're two separate people. Absolutely. I mean, that's why relationships work, I think. Why would you want to be with someone exactly like you? Well. How fun would that be? You think you would because you think it's predictable, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) <laughs> uh, I'm going to bring this up. I don't know why I bring up these stupid, the, these stupid movies I see. So there's a movie called the, uh, the wrong Missy. It's on Netflix. Okay. It's freaking hilarious. It's with, it's with David Spade. Uh-huh. It's like that cast of clowns from like all the happy Gilmore movies with Adam Sandler and all that stuff. Yeah. Like Saturday Night Live crew. Yeah. Kind of a bunch of those people. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's called the wrong Missy. And basically it's just in a nutshell. David Spade finds this finds this girl who's a whack job, right? Mm-hmm. And just is doing everything he can to get away from her. Then he finds some other girl that basically is just like him. They're reading the same book. Okay. They're into the same things. They talk about, you know. And then by the end of the movie, he realizes he wants the crazy one. Like he has no interest in the one oh. that was like him. Yeah. Huh. Which, I mean, believe me, it's just funny and stupid. But I thought it had a pretty cool point to it, like toward the end. You must watch a lot of movies. Lately, I have. You reference a lot of movie quotes. I mean, it's just routine now. 7 p.m. Hmm. Throwing a movie. Yeah, that's what that's when I tend to watch stuff, too, because I can't I get to a point in the day. Don't ask me to have an intellectual conversation because I'm done. <laughs> well, um, you talked about <laughs> yeah. related to the, coming back to the redemption fantasy. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it was the same guy who claimed everything is PTSD. Like we're all walking around traumatized. Like, so in psychology, there's a shorthand version, the DSM diagnostic and statistic manual. That's the reference for all clinical diagnosis. And you said the guy shared, if we just took that manual and reduced it to just being about trauma, like, it would be the size of a pamphlet. Like, it's a thick book. I mean, they're thick manuals. 
Yeah. And I'm like, everything is trauma. Like we're all walking around with PTSD at some point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like people are scared, alone, angry. There's so many mixed emotions. There's so much rage in the world right now. Yeah. Because we're all in quarantine since March. So it's been like three months. Everybody's trapped in their heads. Yeah. And we're all angry. It's this unsettled thing going on within them. It's, it's coming out in that way. It's funny. There's a comedian, Sebastian Maniscalco, who has like a whole bit that he does that he mm-hmm. talks about protesters. He's like, don't you people have jobs? Like who's out on like a 10 a.m. on a Monday holding right. signs? Like, are you, do you have nothing going on in your, in your life? Like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, you could just do that at any time. Are we? I mean, I can understand how we can do it being self-employed, but there's thousands of people out there. What are they doing? Right. I get that. They're yeah, at- literally driving down Providence where like some ladies walking up, just holding a sign over her head. I'm like, I saw it. I was just like, what the hell world are we living in now? Like, yeah. Wow. I didn't think we'd go in this direction, but here we go. So I read this article that I read from an economist that I always read. I think he's fantastic. I won't even... Not going to pitch him or anything, but he talks about how detrimental this quarantine is in the sense that it's they're shutting down the economy so that they can prevent the spread of a virus. Right? That's kind of the the reasoning Mm -hmm. behind this is that it's very contagious. If you go out and you don't social distance, people are going to get it more off. You know, and he goes into the numbers from the CDC. He just he's taking this off the CDC website. Um, Mm -hmm. I assume he is actually. I didn't reference check but i I trust the guy verify i would assume that he's not going to quote it knowing that pulling it out of thin air or making it up right yeah so (laughs) take this with a grain of salt but he says that 80 i think it was 81 percent of people that die from this virus Mm -hmm. are over Mm -hmm. the age of 65 and have a pre-existing condition okay Mm -hmm. drop that age to 55 and you're up to i think he said like 93 percent Wow. So now that means only 7%. So we just should have quarantined the elderly generation? Well, that's what he's, he's <laughs> trying to say. Like, you shut down all the schools and daycares, right? I get right. it. There's older people maybe that work there. But now all mm-hmm. those parents of those people have to stay home so they can't work. Right. So it, right. it's like you've, you've shut down this economy. But then he goes into this whole list of, like, the sort of, like, ancillary effects. Like, the effects that – the downstream effects of – doing this kind of quarantine yes we think we're protecting everybody but how is having 30 million people out of work going to affect you know what's the repercussions from that and he talks about infant mortality he says that there's scientific studies that infant mortality will go up by hundreds of thousands in the years to come because of this because of the strain on the healthcare system because of people being unemployed being at the poverty level um Mm -hmm. opioid addiction he talks about, you know, of course, alcoholism. Um, the unintended consequences. Yes. By trying to save the lives of people with pre-existing conditions. I'm, and don't get me wrong. I mean, I don't want anybody to die. I don't. Right. But if you're not looking right. at, you're looking at this population, we're saving this population, but are we fucking over this population? Like, are, are we totally like, don't even know the consequences? Yes, it's, it's a very hyper myopic perspective yeah and way of looking at things it's very short-sighted right and i don't know how accurate obviously like what do i know about infant mortality rates going up based on all this but i'm sure there's data on it 
I'm sure infant mortality is not going to get better because of this. I mean, it's definitely seems that, again, more poverty. It's just the more economic, you know, distress people are under. It just goes into like the worse their health, the worse the family's mm-hmm. health. It's just kind of it's a downstream effect. So mm-hmm. he kind of brings that out just to say that he was comparing two things. He's comparing fear or um, how does he say it? There's things that are scary on one hand, and then there's things that are dangerous. Okay. Mm-hmm. And he's like, sometimes mm-hmm. there's things that are scary and dangerous, but sometimes they're yeah. separate. Right. So for instance, he says a shark attack is something that's scary, mm-hmm. but it's really not that yeah. dangerous. There's only 15 people a year in the world. It's not that common. Like, yeah. so um, like, it's more common to be struck by lightning or get killed by a coconut, you know, falling off a tree. Or hit by a car. Oh, definitely yeah. by a car. I mean, that's, yeah. Um, so it's mm-hmm. on the one hand scary, but it's not really dangerous. We all go in the ocean and we all have like thoughts of like, what the frick is in here? Um, right. so he talks about that in the same context as this virus that it's, it's scary, but on the scale of dangerous, it's not that dangerous. It's not that dangerous. And that's hard for people. Like, and what I, I've told friends this, the same thing I'm telling you now, and they lost their shit. Like, no, you don't know what you're talking oh, yes. about. This thing is, it's. Oh, it's only because of the social distancing. Otherwise, it would spread like wildfire. And oh, there's people dying from it that are young too. And they're, I'm like, okay. I'm like, all right. I'm not, I'm not taking a stand here. Is that really true? Is that really why can't, true? Why, why can't I just question it? I'm not saying that it is true. Questioning. Come back to the questioning. I'm not saying you, what you're I'm saying is true. It. I'm not saying what I'm saying is true. I'm just trying to like see it from different angles. And once I heard it from somebody else that was contrary to everything we're hearing, I'm like, that sounds plausible. I don't know if it's accurate. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's definitely. Who knows? Who knows? Well, only kn- that's the thing. Two, Who's got all the answers? Two or three like, years from now, when we look back on it, we'll know some of the answers, right? We're not going to know it now while we're in the middle of it. Everyone's got an opinion. Yeah. People are not short of opinions. They're, they're sometimes not so high on common sense, but people are not short of opinions. Well, this is uh, okay. So, yeah. So, people have beliefs, right? So, they have these things called beliefs. These are my beliefs. I'm like, so wait. So, belief doesn't have to be true. I'm assuming, like, by if you have a belief, it doesn't. There's no prerequisite that <laughs> there's got to be truth behind it. It's just your belief. Like, right? you can believe anything. I can believe. That's what you believe. You can believe anything you right. believe. So, there's no. It doesn't have to be a basis with truth. So. I always think of, you know, when I question religion, when I question any type of super superstition, you can question anything. It's when people hold so tightly to their beliefs and won't question them. With the death crime. Yeah. And yeah. like, they want you to be like, no, no, man, that's wrong. You got to read. They want to convince you. I have no skin in well, this. People used to believe that the earth is flat. Yes. Like we've, we've proven that that's not true. Diane, people still think the world is flat. There's a whole, <laughs> there's literally a groups online Upset. that like, oh my God, there's literally people. Conspiracy theorists. Oh yeah, no, literally yeah. flat. They call it flat earth people. There's flat earth people out there. Really? Yeah, they believe it's all a, a hoax. Where do you find this stuff? <laughs> That's from the Joe Rogan show. He talks a lot about flat earth people. But okay. he says like, and they, they think the whole moon landing was a hoax. All really? the pictures from outer space looking down at the earth, that's all a hoax. Hmm. So that kind of thing. They must be a lot of fun to be around. <laughs> oh man. It must be entertaining to talk to. Yeah. I, I wonder why people dig into certain why it's so <sighs> important to them. 
for you to believe what they believe. Mm-hmm. You know, cause I like, again, when I brought up that topic of maybe what we're doing from this quarantine perspective is fucking things up even worse than if we were to just, then we can predict. Yeah. yeah. Just let people live their lives. Yeah. And if, if you're really scared, stay home. Right. You know, you wear a mask, do whatever you want to do. Like, put a hazmat suit on, whatever you want to do. Mm-hmm. But that's your choice. But you're going to now shut down the entire fucking world because we're scared of the majority of people over the age of 55 that have pre-existing conditions are going to get mm-hmm. sick and die from this. Ah, again, I mean, I don't want to <laughs> say that those people should die. I don't think anybody, I don't want anybody to die. It's not what I'm saying. But Well... We got to be like and willing to question the status quo. Well, this comes back to how we started this conversation. Like, why is this the way we've always done it? Yes. Why can't there perhaps be an alternate pathway? Yes. And like, think of think of this argument. So the ar- argument I also heard was that if you compare it to, like you were saying, automobile accidents. Automobile mm-hmm. accidents every year in the United States, I think, are somewhere between thirty and 40,000 fatalities per year. Mm-hmm. This guy was saying, just drop the speed limit on all major highways from 70 to 45. Now you're going to have probably less than yeah. half of the fatalities from car accidents. Why are we okay with thirty to 40,000? Mm-hmm. What he was trying to say was that we all know that where there's a price that we're paying People dying, we know they're going to die, and we're mm-hmm. there's a certain level of death that's acceptable to us, right? Because if if we wanted zero deaths on the highways, it'd have to be 15 right. miles an hour, right? I mean, we'd all give up our cars and just walk everywhere, right? So then, where do you draw that line? But we we seem to be okay with 30 to 40 thousand every year from auto accidents. We're all okay with that. Nobody's changing mm-hmm. the speed limits, right? But we're not okay with virus like will literally bring the economy to a halt will make 30 million people unemployed because we're trying to protect it's just it's mind-blowing to me doesn't make a lot of sense but common sense isn't so common Common sense isn't so common (laughs) (laughs) yeah so i didn't think we'd go down that tip but i think it all comes back down to like the beliefs like it's funny like what story are you telling yourself yeah my favorite question that I think I've shared before is whose story is this? Mm-hmm. Is this from a parent, from a teacher? Dr. Fauci. <laughs> <laughs> right. Trump's story. I mean, mm. two politicians that you saw, on the, like the mayor of New York, the governor of New York. You're listening to their storylines. Right. You hear a few people say the same thing. Because I was thinking the other day, I'm like, if I was out, like, say I was in some mountain cabin with no Wi-Fi or internet. Yeah. I wouldn't even I wouldn't even know this is going on. No. Like I, I'd just be living my life. I'd have no clue. No. I mean, unless I, I guess I walked into a store and saw people with masks. But so like we've lived the last four months under this kind of like craziness. Like you said, you were so upset yesterday. Yeah. I mean, the reason you were upset was because you watched something that you saw that was going on in the world. I made the mistake of looking at the news website. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I definitely have this kind of like... I have mixed feelings about the idea of being informed. Like, what's the level of information that I need Mm -hmm. to get by in this world? Because I think it's a lot less than what I'm consuming. I would agree. Because what do I do with that information? 
what do I do with information about a riot going on in California or that there's a, yeah. there's some atrocity. And people on- are getting killed in protests currently. We're recording this in very early June. Yes. So. Protests, looting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, his name is George Floyd. Oh, I don't remember. I had Google it. I'm like, what the hell happened? Yeah. So a cop basically killed him. He was murdered. Yeah. And so that's what this upheaval is about. People are all highly upset right now. Yeah. And understandably so. Like, no one should get murdered. Right. Then you're going to, like, go protest? I don't... Well, I I like the idea that, yeah, you should be able to... Peacefully protest. Peacefully protests. But then they're combining the looters in with the protesters, which they're not the same people. Right. His brother was, like, basically speaking to a giant crowd of people... Saying, listen, you don't see me looting anybody. It's my brother. If anybody's taking this the worst, it's me. It's my brother that's happened to. Mm-hmm. He's like, you want to do something? Like, go out and freaking vote. Yeah. Go vote not only for, like, the presidential election. Yeah. Vote for all, like, the little primary districts elections. and primaries. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's like, you want to call from, I guess it was a senator. Huh. Yeah. And he left me a message. He's like, hey, I'm just trying to reach out to 200 constituents a day. And you're a constituent. So I hope you're doing well. And I just wanted to reach out and say hi. And I'm like, mm. huh, look at that. So it wasn't like a pre-recorded. It seems it's like him actually just calling sounded me. sounded as though it was a dude. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. But I vote every year. And I'll vote as unaffiliated. I can, if I want to choose to vote in either a Republican or a Democratic primary, I can make that choice. Yeah. And I'm usually the youngest person. In the voting room. Isn't that crazy? So what does that tell you? Well, I mean, that's the whole idea of like the weighing the information. So, like, how much information do you need to make a decent yeah, choice? An informed decision. And, you know, so I have friends that hem and haw about every piece of current events that, that's going on. That obsess and constantly have the news media running in the background. Oh, and, like, this has taken them to a fever pitch. I mean, the last four months, they're literally, like, their brain zapping with, like, there's so much stimulus because there's so much going on, mm-hmm. so much atrocity. Mm-hmm. And I always question, like, in my mind, I'm like, all right, I need to be informed. I don't want this stuff to be happening. I don't. Right. What can I do to, to prevent it? Right. Is listening to more of it going to help me in any way to mm-hmm. do something productive or something that's going to contribute to this not happening? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't think my circle's that big. I think if I can contain my own circle and make those people... Just take think, care of yourself. Yeah, we can all do small, but everybody, again, the delusions of grandeur. It's like... It adds up the, the small moments. So uh-huh. I've heard it talks about to bring Renee into our conversation today. Yeah. Trust is not built in the grand gestures. Trust is both built and shattered in the, the small moments. Mm. Yeah. Like death by a thousand paper cuts. Yeah. It's both built and broken, not in the big moments or major life experiences. It's the small moments over time. It's that whole idea of like changing the world. I'm going to change the world. I'm like, mm. why don't you just start with changing yourself? Change your own life. <laughs> why don't you start at home? Let's take it small. Yeah, take it small. Like you said, the small incremental things. So I do. I do. I struggle with that concept because I have friends that, oh, dude, you know, you have to do this. You got to do that. You're not up with the information. You got to be informed. I'm like, well, what are you doing with this information? 
Are you posting shit on Facebook so that you're just in a nonstop argument with 50 other people? Oh my God. I had a step back from Instagram. I'm like, I can't watch this right now. I just, I literally have taken a huge step back. So I'm like, I just can't, I can't consume everything that people are sharing. Yeah. Because everyone's posting about it. They are. And they start arguments. You know, one person takes one side and like the other person, oh, no, that's not right. It's really, I'm like, viewpoints. it's not productive. And I don't think from a mental perspective, it helps anybody. Like, I think you get, you go down that rabbit hole and now you got like 50 people commenting on what you just said. Yeah. And then you're trying to combat that. And I'm like, I want to be out of that. I don't, if I thought that would help anybody, like I would definitely engage but just doesn't seem to be helpful it doesn't seem to be helpful for the mental well-being of anybody involved of anyone yeah that's what we should i think my opinion is we should be thinking about our own mental well-being first and foremost before you start like spewing anything out putting ourselves first yeah what's gonna come from rage and anger and again nothing good nothing loving nothing beneficial yeah anyway <laughs> anniversary special it's a, it's kind of like again beliefs and asking why yeah. like why yeah. i can't ask why we have to social distance oh well you have to social distance because little particles will fly out of your mouth they might hit someone else you might be condemned all right i get that great mm-hmm. okay so we got to close up everything in order to do that so i don't spit into other people's faces well so the whole economy has to shut down for that. and the impacts on small businesses breaks my heart like yeah there's small businesses that got shut down. Oh yeah. For several months. They weren't able to do business. Yeah. And now they do business <sighs> at what, twenty five percent capacity? I go to restaurants now, it's like there's nobody in them. Mm-hmm. And they've been shut down for two months. It's like Yeah. They they work on cash flow. It's not like they have these giant reserves, you know. It's well, not typically. But... Not typically. Yeah. I mean I, the chains do. Chick-fil-A is kicking ass. <laughs> that place is like a machine. <laughs> that place is like a machine. It, it always has been. Yeah, like the lines. I mean, they've even they've stepped it up even further. They got like giant tents with like eight people outside with like walkie talkies and like little, you know, headsets on and they're taking orders right from your business. car. I gotta give them credit. Like they they're real good. run a well-oiled machine. They do. They do. Yeah. But not open Sundays, which I don't like. They are a religious organization. So. Yes, they are. So, yeah, well, that's our anniversary. So, why and the beliefs and the storylines and the stories we tell ourselves. Living in the mystery, you know, like. And getting comfortable being un- uncomfortable. Being comfortable with the uncomfortable. I mean, that's the hardest thing to do. Mm-hmm. And we, we all want out of it. We all want that re- redemption fantasy. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. It's funny. It's like the more I, I come around and think and start to realize, like, you're not going to escape it. Right. There's there's nowhere to run. Yeah. Yeah. Wherever you go, there you are. Yeah. But I also realize that human interaction helps a lot with feeling comfortable Absolutely. in that uncomfortable. Connection. Yeah. You need connection. You know, again. Conversation. We're wired for connection. This is why we're all losing our damn minds. I think that's why it's really that bad. Not that there shouldn't be protests for this guy's death, but they seem to be a lot bigger than they would be. Had we not just been coming off of three months of quarantine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Holy shit. People will, it's like a freaking ticking time bomb, right? Mm-hmm. Just give them a reason to do something. I'll, I'll do anything. It's, mm-hmm. 
you know, I've been sitting home all this time. All right, I'll go freaking loot some stores. I'll hold up the sign. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> hold up the sign. Right. <laughs> I went to the looting. Yeah. <laughs> all right. What are we going to talk about next week? What do you want to talk about? Prison and the Abyss of Choice. Mm, I like that one. <laughs> yeah, we could do that. Yeah. Kind of like stemming off that whole corporate America thing. Having too many options basically paralyzes a lot of people. Yeah, sometimes less is more people. Like when I go on Amazon and like I just go to find like a running shoe mm-hmm. and there's like a thousand options. I'm like, I, I don't know. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That one. You just, start, you just pick one. Just there's one. too many options. Well, like we talked about, you go to a restaurant and there's like a thousand options. You're Endless like, options on the menu. Oh, just give me like five options. Tell yeah, me like what five. you recommend. You work here. You've eaten all this food. What do you right. recommend? Yeah. Yeah. So we'll definitely uh, spin that around. Oh, the irony so cool. of pr- using the word prison. Prison and the abyss of choice. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Well, this was fun. Come follow us, faconfessions.com, and you can like us and subscribe and mm-hmm. share and comment and review. Mm-hmm. I think I nailed them all there. I think you got them all. I don't like when they say smash the like button. You ever hear that? That's like the new like catchphrase, smash. Smash. What's Everyone says it. Violence. <laughs> can you just press the like button? Do you have to smash, smash it? it to pieces? Yeah, what is this, like Gallagher? Yeah, so follow us there. We'll see you next week with Prison and the Abyss of Choice. Mm -hmm. We'll see you next week. Thanks, Diane. Thanks, Al. Take care. Bye.